You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. We've been talking about going the extra mile in the, over the last few weeks. And uh, the, the purpose of this is that when you see people in the Bible that God really uses, that it does, not all of them are high education people, not all of them are high intelligence people, not all of them are high articulating people, communicators, but they all do have this one thing in common that they were, they were willing to go the extra mile to really pour it out. But as we're going through this journey, I thought it was important somewhere here in the middle of this journey to say, hey, you know what? There is a there's a paradox. There's a lot of paradoxes. Is that the plural paradox? Paradox I, paradoxissimo, paradoxes. There's a lot of uh, thank you. There's a lot. Feel free to help me out uh, (laughs) because there's a lot of paradoxes in the Bible. Lose your life and find it. That's counter to everything culture tries to teach us. Because culture says, man, go for all you can get, eat, drink, and be merry, do everything you can to you know, serve yourself, and then your life will be better. Jesus comes along and says, let me reverse that, because there's a cavern of a secret life that you can find if you only lose your ambition and lose all the things that you know, you want on your bucket list, if you're willing to surrender that, you'll find a hidden life with God. That's a, it's a paradox. It's something that you wouldn't expect. So as we talk about this extra mile, we're going to see this paradox. And the paradox is that as we are called to go, God also asks us to stop. We stop because we refuel in him Because it's not just all about going, going, going. Otherwise, we'll fall into the subtle trap of thinking it's us. That it's our muscle, our ambition, our intellect, our communication, our giving, our whatever that is. And God said, I always want to remind you that it is only through me and my strength that you can really move forward in this extra mile. So it is important for in the, as we go the miles of journeying with God and, and advancing the work of God, that it's important to pull off into a rest stop. So if you have kids or you've had kids, you'll know what I mean by saying that, you know, when you get them in, you want to, you know, getting in the car these days is just, you know, it's a feat in and of itself. You got the right kind of seat for if you have an infant, you got to have the seat directed in the right way. I remember when our our firstborn was born and we went out the hospital and we could not figure out how to get this screaming little, you know, treasure in there and put all the, you know, stuff together. And it was very stressful because... When I grew up, you know, we would take a a vacation from Virginia to Daytona Beach once a year for a week. And uh, they, you know, we would start at O'Dark 100 and they would have this this kind of a a metal platform that would, you know, hook to the front seat and then go to the back window as these little, well, projectiles slept. You know, there was nothing to keep us in if we hit something. I mean, we're just like going right through that. I think our IQ was lower in the 60s than it was here or something. I don't know. Like nuclear bomb coming, drop and roll under your desk. That's going to really take care of you right there. 
But now we get, you know, we get the kids and then they get a little bit older and they climb in the van or the car or whatever. And then we ask this question. Everybody in? Everybody in? Because you want to make sure they're in. From the very beginning of what we know as human history, God is asking this question. Everybody in? And what I mean by that is that when you look at the very beginning with Adam, and when Adam misaligned himself with God, and he sinned, the first thing he did was hide. And God, being God and being compassionate as he is, he began the pursuit, and he painted a picture from the very beginning of what it means to have a relationship with God. Adam believed in God, but he was still hiding from God. Adam believed in God, and yet he was out of rhythm in that moment with God. So it wasn't enough just to believe in God because on a serious note, Adam was now separated from God. And before we have exchanged our old life for Christ's new one, we are separated from God. And the really serious message of that is if we don't bridge that gap on earth, we will be eternally separated from God. It's serious. I mean, it's really serious. God came in the garden that day, didn't say, hey, I'm just checking, do you still believe in me? He didn't ask that question. He said, Adam, where are you? God, it was God. He knew where Adam was. But he's asking God, how, Adam, how did you find yourself in this place right now? How did we get here? And then God made a move. And it was a move that painted a picture of the greatest rescue story known to humankind, the rescue story of the Messiah. Instead of punishing Adam and Eve, instead of killing them for their sin, because that's what they deserve, to be honest with you, God set up this amazing plan of taking the life of an animal that did not have any, a soul. So taking the life of the animal would not be an eternal destination for this animal. It was not in play because the, anim the animal didn't have a soul. But instead of punishing Adam, God said, I'm going to take the life of this animal and I'm going to take the covering, the skin of the animal, because Adam recognized that he was exposed. And he came, God came in the garden, and he embraced him with a covering. And he says, now you're covered. You're no longer exposed. You're no longer out there. And it's the picture of God of saying, are you in? Not just do you believe, but are you covered are you in? Because when we stand before God, the question is not, did you believe in God? But are you in Christ? Are you in covered? Most of us know the Passover story where the angel of death is visiting and those who were saved painted on the doorpost of their home the blood of the Passover lamb. And you have to be in the house covered with this blood of the Passover lamb as a picture that started in, in the garden with Adam, that 
a, an animal was taken, the blood was shed, and we are now covered, and now we're in the house. So when God, we see God face to face, the question is going to be, everybody in? Everybody in? What we're talking about here is that as we're going this extra mile, it is critical for us to understand that we cannot do it on our own human fuel, that we are dependent, our soul is dependent to rest in God. Now, it's interesting, these words are very specific. We can find rest today. I'm a little tired. I just flew in last night. I'm sure I'm going to go home and put something. I'm not going to put NFL on. That's too exciting. I'll probably put a, you know, golf. No, okay, here it goes. <laughs> Bring on the emails. All right, whatever. All right, I'll do ballet or something. Well, now the ballet people are upset. <laughs> hey, Symphony, wait. Take, a, take it easy there, bro. <laughs> I'll put on something, I'll be out like a light. My body needs rest, but just because I'm going to rest my body doesn't mean I'm going to rest my soul. It's different. Sometimes we think, I'll just go to the beach and rejuvenate. Great, physically, that's great. Emotionally, that's great. But careful what David says. He says, my soul finds rest in God alone. Notice he doesn't say, my soul finds rest in God also. Like there are other options that we can have for soul rest, no? My soul finds rest in God alone. We have to go to the God gas pump in order to find that rest, and that's challenging. Again, what we're not, ta we're not talking about, oh, we're in with God one day, we're clothed with God, the next day we're, we're exposed, we're, you know, and then we're, you know, our eternal destination is up for grabs. We get in God, we stay in God as in regards to our salvation. God clothes us. We are his child because if I'm going down the street and we're going down the road and my, my son is in the car, and let's say we have a, a disagreement, and he says, Dad, I want out of the car. Let me out of the car. So I'm like, fine, get out of the car. I pull the car over. I'm like, you know, you can walk home. And he walks home. He gets out of the car. Guess who he is? He's still my son. The difference is we're just not going to be having conversation because I'm going to crank the music up as he walks home, right? <laughs> In other words, our sonship, our daughtership is not in jeopardy once we are in Christ because what parent would make their child wonder if you're in or out every single day? And if we're in one day and out the next day, then what you're going to do is work for it yourself to make sure you keep in. We're not talking about our eternal security. We are secure in Christ. What we're talking about is rhythm. Rhythm. Watch this. First John says it this way. In First John chapter 1, verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, if you'll give me a little allowance to put another word in there, because fellowship is a wonderful word, it's a biblical word, but it's not a word that we use every single day. Here's a word I'd like to suggest to you. If we claim that we have rhythm with him, 
rhythm with him. You see, rhythm is alive. Fellowship is alive too. But rhythm in music, you know, rhythm, this is tempo in music. This is what you tap your foot to. But rhythm is the thing that gives life. It's, well, the jazz. If we claim to have jazz with God and yet we're outside the car in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. We're talking about being in rhythm with God on the extra mile that we're journeying that we need to find in God alone. We can't have a God rhythm without God being the band director. We can't have a fellowship with God yet walk in darkness. But if we walk, watch, there's the word again, in the light, as he is in the light, we also have rhythm with each other, fellowship with each other, and the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sins. It's every day we go, God, thank you for your mercy being new today. As we travel this road, we need to stop at the rest stops, right? And it gives us security, not eternal security, which we have, but it gives us security here. Watch this. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. We have the security that when we are in rhythm with God, no matter what happens, and every single person sitting here in this room, every single person watching online, every single person listening, wherever you're listening later in the week, every single person could come up and say, there are six things right now, there are five things, there are seven things right now that in my life I wish they were not happening. But they're there. Because going in a journey with God, traveling with God, doesn't mean that everything is silky smooth. God didn't promise that life would just be without any rocks in the brook, without any coat hangers hanging up against each other, entangled. That's part of life. But what we know is that if we are in rhythm and resting in God, then no matter what is happening around us, we have this valuable this treasure, this paradox that even though the world may be going crazy, we have a hidden cavern of rest in our soul. And, the, and David says, don't forget, it comes from God alone. It's not going to come from Barnes & Noble. It's not going to come from the gym. It's not going to come from the spa, the beach. It's not going to come from anything except God alone. We have to, we have to rest. So I'm traveling last week, uh, driving from Miami across that wonderful stretch called Alligator Alley. So scintillatingly exciting. And I, I'm looking on my gas gauge, and some of you that know me well know that I love the excitement of running it right down. <laughs> My first stop, the first gas stop, I knew there's only one gas station, uh, you know, on that. You, if you've traveled Alligator Alley, 
and I never can remember the name. It's a long muskaki, waki, saki, or something like that. But I know that there's one. So I'm coming up on this gas station. I look at my gas gauge. I, I see that my destination in Naples, if I do the destination in Naples, I'm figuring in my mind that I will actually have three surplus gallons of, or miles of gas if I reach that destination. I'm thinking, now, you know what? That's exciting. <laughs> that is really exciting right there, because this is going to be a boring drive. But see, now I'm going to be looking at that thing tick down all the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> I told some, I, I, I included this in a message one time, and uh, some lady gave me $10. <laughs> I'm not broke. I'm just stupid. So, I mean, there's a big difference. <laughs> So I didn't even tell my wife this. I'm like, I'm, I'm calculating my head. I'm like, wow, that would give me a C. Okay, it's like, uh, okay, that's three miles. Three miles, right? But at the last minute, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll pull off the rest stop. I'll get the fuel. And that was disappointing. And I'm glad I did. You know why? Because they had closed one lane on Alligator Alley about eight times. And what I didn't anticipate, that if I had not fueled up, I would have been there with the pythons and the alligators and everything else down there. <laughs> and see, things may be fine here, and you may have a half a tank, and you think, hey, I don't really need to refuel with God, but you or I don't know what's going to happen even this afternoon. And so you want to make sure that even though when you don't think you need the fuel, you better get there and fuel up because you don't know what's around the corner. You see the picture? Everybody in? Yes. That's what God's asking. Find rest in God alone. Okay, one more Alligator Alley story. <laughs> I'm coming across one time, and uh, my mind began to drift, as it does when I drive alone. I knew there was the one gas station, and I don't know where my head was, but all of a sudden, oh, there was that gas station. I wonder if I've passed it, because my mind was distracted. I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw the exit ramp that was about the quarter size of a golf pencil in my rearview mirror. <laughs> and that time, I would not have made it, so I had to go to extremes and cross the, oh, yeah, oh, I'm an adventurer, all right. <laughs> I crossed that thing, and out of desperation, and I would have missed the fuel because my mind was so distracted. I believe that the enemy of God and the enemy of us not only sometimes comes directly at us, but indirectly by things that will distract your mind to the point that you, never, you forget that you even need fuel. And then you see God in your rearview mirror about the quarter size of a golf pencil. And you think, oh boy. I better do something extreme to go back to the pump. You don't want to wait to that minute. Unrest is all around us. We see the unrest in the Middle East. We see the unrest in Ukraine. And those are the only the top stories that we see. Most people don't know the, the unrest in, 
and Sudan and Nigeria and these places that don't hit the news. There's unrest all around us. But the greatest unrest, because we see those stories, we see crime in the cities, we see all this. But let me propose to you that the greatest unrest and the distress that we have in life are those that are in the minivan with us. We can watch the chaos in the world. We can watch the, the angular friction and tension in the world. But I propose to you, you have to ask this question yourself. The greatest stress we have is with those when we're out of joint with the people that we know in our inner circle. Son, daughter, mom, neighbor, co-worker, husband, wife. Those are our greatest moments. And the thing that we're reminded in, let me speak to those of you that are married. Be careful that you don't see your spouse as your fuel pump for your soul. I married my soulmate. We truly are soulmates. But I have to remind myself that it's too much of an expectation that she can be the, the fuel to my soul that only God can give. Remember, find rest in God alone. Find rest in God alone. In fact, it's unfair for any husband or wife to expect that they're going to find that in the other person or in our children or in our job or in our wealth or in anything that we have. Oh, my soul, find rest in God alone. Those in our inner circle cannot ever do that. It's a good reminder. King David started with a motley crew. These were not West Point grads. These guys were just kind of junkyard dogs. They were disillusioned. There was only just a handful of them, a few hundred. And they came around David, and David trained them, invested in them, loved them, and he created some Navy SEALs out of junkyard dogs. Their allegiance to David was off the chart. They were in his minivan. This was his crew. This was his cohort. And yet they didn't, didn't see the construction site ahead on their alligator alley. They came into the camp one time. They had been out fighting. And the enemy troops had kidnapped, abducted their, their babies, their, their daughters, their sons, their wives. And all of a sudden, the ones that were in the van turned against their leader, who they had allegiance with. Stunning. Almost hard to believe. Watch. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed. I mean, just, just at his lowest moment. Because these men, his crew, were talking about killing him. I mean, I get an angry email once in a while, but I hope no one's, you know, to that point. <laughs> they were going to stone him. Each of them was bitter in spirit because they had lost their sons and daughters. They weren't killed. They were just abducted. They got them back. 
But David in that moment found strength in the Lord alone. Because when he penned Psalm 62, the context was this dear relationship with this this man called Absalom. Absalom had turned against David, and that's why David said, let me give us a reality. Find rest for your soul in God alone. This wasn't a theory. This was a reality for him. And so then what happens in this this psalm is really amazing. David begins to have soul speak. What do I mean by that? He begins to speak to his own soul. It's not the first time we see it. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul. Like talking to your soul. Hey, praise him, soul. So watch this. It's so beautiful. He's now speaking to his own soul. 62 verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Some of us need to look in our soul mirror right now and say, Oh, soul, you're, you're, fine. you're trying to find soul rest in all the wrong places. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Look at the kind of the covering language he uses. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge. I'm in him. I just don't believe in him. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour your out, your out your hearts to him. For God alone is our refuge, our covering. It's so critical. Last night we're in a um, we're in an Uber, and uh, for a guy from a different country is driving the car. My wife asked him, "Hey, what's your faith?" And I'm like, here it comes. She's about to go to work. And he, and he said, my faith? And he says, well, I believe there's a God. I'm like, wrong answer, bro. <laughs> and the gospel plane is going gonna, is gonna to do circles around the airport. It's going to land, man. She just, it's beautiful. She, she just went to work. I'm over there praying. God opened his heart, man. We got around to some personal things. Hey, where's your family? They're in the other country. I've got my green car, but we can't bring them here yet. Can't afford it yet. He, we said, where do you live? He said, you're sitting in it. I said, what? I thought I misheard him. I said, what? Yeah, I sleep in my, my van because I'm trying to save money. Because I love my two-year-old boy so much. I said, how do you take a shower? He said, I got my CDL trucker's license. I, I take showers at truck stops. See, for him being in his car, his vehicle, it's a whole lot different than us. We get in our car, we get out of the car. For most of us, in our car, out of our car. We asked him when he, how late he works. He said, I work till 3 a.m. When do you start tomorrow morning? 8.30 a.m. 
He's going to sleep at a truck stop tonight in his car. He'll work tomorrow in his car. And it reminded me how in our lifetime we've got, in our culture, we've got so many choices. He don't have a choice. He's in. And in this choice, that all these choices we have, we have to remind ourselves, stay in, remain in, don't get out, because there is construction ahead that you can't see. And God would ask, everybody in? That's what he's asking. So the, the verse, the passage in the Bible that talks so much about spiritual warfare is found in a, in a book called Ephesians, if you're not familiar with the Bible, in chapter 6. And this is what it says. Watch. In a nutshell, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong, there it is again, in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's like an armored tank. This is the paradox God does not say, you better fight on the extra mile with all you got. No, God says, you better stop and stay in the armored tank of God. And, and later he says, and stand firm and let me fight for you. You don't have enough strength, humanly speaking, to fight against your enemy. You need the power, the strength, the fuel of God to fight this warfare. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Last time I checked, it's when you put an armor on, you're inside of it. Two reminders as we close today. Jesus made two very bold statements. Here's the first one. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man, woman remains in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. And Jesus, as if he's saying, let me take a step further, guys. Apart from me, zero. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the second thing that Jesus says. All around us in this world, it's important that we share our faith, but, but that's not going to get people's attention. For you to share your principles and, and axioms and truths, it's important that we do. But there is craziness. You know, I travel a lot. There is craziness in every corner of this world. If you think, if you think what's going on with our politics is crazy, I invite you on a trip with me. It's crazy. It, it's chaotic. It's off the, I mean, there are some countries that they're holding on by a thread, man. It's crazy everywhere. Listen, you know what people need to see? They need to see people who are rested in God. That no matter what the chaos is in our life, that there are souls that have found rest in God. That, my friend, is a message. Maybe there's chaos in your family. Maybe there's chaos in your marriage. Maybe there's chaos in your business. Maybe there's chaos in your neighborhood. Maybe there's chaos just inside of you. It's time for soul talk. Oh, my soul, find rest in God alone. So watch this. 
Jesus prays this for us in John 17, 20. My prayer is not for the 11 disciples who he'd been praying for alone. I pray also for those who will in the future believe in me through these guys' message, the message of the gospel that will ripple throughout history. He's praying for us that all of us might be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Watch. May they also be in us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. May they also be in us. Why? So that the crazy, chaotic, holding on by a thread world will see something different, not just the words coming out of their mouth, but they will see rest in their soul, and they will believe that there is a Lamb of God who has covered them and keeps them secure and can actually give rest at the deepest part of us, our soul. And now the world will believe that there is a Messiah. That's our place. That's our place. So God would ask this question and we'll ask this question of ourselves as we end. Everybody in? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the inness that you provide and invite us into God. Thank you that we're not just wandering around this planet like a bunch of ants with no relationship with you, working through construction sites and just trying to figure it out. Thanks for coming into the garden. And thanks for coming into our garden and offering a covering that we might be in Christ. So we start there today, God. There may be some lights going off for people sitting right in this room. Maybe they're sitting at home, they're sitting on their sofa, they're sitting at a kitchen table. Maybe sometime this week they're listening on the podcast as they're taking a run, they're in the gym, they're in a cubicle, doesn't matter doesn't have to be a church. And you're drawing them, you're pulling them. Because the light bulb that's going in on and their light, their hearts, their minds is, I don't know if I'm in yet. I wonder if that's you as we're praying. I wonder if that's you. If you would say, man, I'm not even sure I'm in, I'm in Christ yet. I'm not even sure what it means. Well, listen carefully. The offer that God made Adam is the same offer that God makes for us to offer us a, a covering. See, the good news is that God's not saying, hey, you better be better. You better fix yourself. You better get good enough. You better become more religious. Your, your good better outweigh your, your bad and then we can be okay and the, the, the gap will be bridged. That's not how, that's not God's plan because we'd all be wondering if we got it good enough or religious enough and all that. Here's God's plan. All along history, God promised that there would be a Lamb of God and as it turns out, it was His own boy, His Son, Jesus. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But we have to acknowledge that. Hey, I have sins. Because if you don't, you don't need a Savior. I wonder if you're sitting there listening, watching right now. 
If you would admit from your heart, from your soul to God, I need a Savior. That's where it begins. God, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm imperfect. You know that? I know that. And I'm asking God for forgiveness because I need a Savior. I don't need to read a book. I don't need to be in a religious operation, building, temple, church, whatever. I need forgiveness. I wonder if that's your prayer right now. And I wonder if you would come to a place and transfer your trust, because we're all trusting in something to be okay with God. We're trusting in, hey, I believe in a God. I trust in, you know, I'm doing good enough. I'm not killing anybody, all that stuff. But I wonder whatever you're trusting in, if you would transfer that trust 100% to Christ. I put my faith, my trust in Christ right now. God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I trust Christ alone. Would that be your prayer? And finally, God, I just want to turn my life in. I want to, I want to turn it in like I'd, I'd go and exchange something in a store. I want to exchange my current life in exchange for your new one. Would you breathe in me, God, a new life in my soul? God, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. God, I trust in Christ alone. And I turn 180 degrees to you. Is that your prayer? Speak to him. If God is drawing you, why would you hold back? If God is pulling you and revealing himself, he's inviting you. Don't refuse his offer. I trust in Christ alone. Make that your prayer. Come to the only place where you'll find rest for your soul. Father, thank you for those of us who have made this epic decision that we've exchanged our old life for Christ's new one. We might ask ourselves, hey, when's the last time we pulled up to the fuel pump of God for rest for our soul? in God alone. Maybe this would be a starting place. God, I thought I could just go with on my own fuel, but right now, God, I give myself again to you. And even though I'm your son, even though I'm your daughter, God, I get back in the car with you. I want to be in rhythm. I miss the jazz, God. Is that your prayer? Brother, sister in Christ, is that your prayer? Time for a little soul speak. Oh, my soul, find rest in God alone. Thank you, Father, that it is your desire that everyone is in. That's what you've told us. That's your heart. So thank you, God, for this invitation. We love you. Thanks for loving us so much. You gave us your son. It means more than we can express. So we worship you in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. 
For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.